0: Thank you for joining us for another special episode of Two Diligence, uh, talking with folks in our hospitality industry amid the COVID-19 outbreak that has just devastated so many small businesses. Uh, Lindsey Shively here with Jill Silva. Jill, um, two fascinating stories in today's podcast. You know, a lot of restaurants have had to close down, but Operation Barbecue may have found a way for some restaurants across the country to get people a little bit back to work, a few people.
1: Yeah, I uh, think their restaurant relief program shows a lot of promise. Um, they've teamed up with Plowboys Barbecue to uh, you know, try to distribute meals to those in need. And I think the two week run that they've had, their one weekend, um, has proven that the, this could be a way, because they have the infrastructure, Um, you know already put in place for disaster response and so it makes a lot of sense that they would have the infrastructure and be able um, to really you know figure out how to do that in other cities but what I think is super interesting to me and you maybe you knew this um, they've never deployed they're based here but they have never deployed in KC before Mm,
0: they've traveled Um, the country from Joplin to wildfires to hurricanes and Right. Now they are working here at home.
1: Yeah, and I think it's great to hear that they have possibly another um another restaurant and partner out in California that they're going to start working with. So um very encouraging to see sort of a new infrastructure and new program coming out of this. Hopefully it'll help other restaurants and, and other communities.
0: Yeah, more from Todd and Stan coming up in just a moment. And we are also so i um, glad to talk to Chef Pam Liberta from Waldo Thai and from the wildly popular new pop-up, Little Asia KC. Jill, this is such a, a phenomenal idea, and clearly people were ready for it.
1: Really good idea. I mean, I think it would be popular anytime, but yeah. particularly in the time of COVID-19, um, where we're... Really trying to figure out how to support some of our restaurants and you know keeping it fresh and interesting and different and you know I think a few of the chefs that we're working with her their restaurants are no longer open so this also gives them an opportunity um, to do something besides stress at home you know so they'll be able right. to keep their skills sharp and and work with their community um, so yeah it sounds pretty exciting and I. Told my husband I wanted to order from them, but clearly he, he did not get on there fast enough.
0: Yeah, if you follow them on social and if you saw, they said they got 100 orders in five minutes and they sold out quickly after that. So uh, listen to our interview with Chef Pam Liberta about their possible next venture.
1: Yeah, I think she might have a, a winning concept that we, we might see down the road.
0: As always, before we get to the interviews, we want to thank you for listening and please continue to reach out to us with any stories of our restaurant folks, our hospitality industry, because we want to continue to tell stories right now uh, about what is an unprecedented and difficult time for all of us in the hospitality industry as well.
1: Thank you for listening. Now we want to welcome to the
0: virtual podcast studio. We're all in our homes practicing safe social distancing and stay-at-home orders because of the COVID-19 crisis. Um, Stan Hayes with Operation Barbecue and Todd Johns with Plowboys Barbecue. And Jill, these these guys are doing something really incredible that that we hope we see across the country, right?
1: Yes, it's called the Restaurant Relief Program and it is designed to um, be a pilot. They're trying to feed 2,500 people and um, That's per day. And then they hope to replicate it in 25 cities after that. So, or 25 locations, let's say across the nation. So um, just, you know, for your information and for the listeners information, I do work with Todd and uh, by extension, I'm working with Stan as well. Yeah, absolutely. Our action for them.
0: Helping with uh, getting the word out about what they're doing. Uh, Todd. Let's bring you in and talk about, from a restaurant owner's perspective, Plowboy's Barbecue has three locations, right?
2: Three locations in Kansas City, and we have a franchise location in Lincoln, Nebraska.
0: Wow, okay, wow. And, um, I mean, just (coughs) before we get to the Operation Barbecue part of this, what has this been like as a restaurant owner these past several weeks uh, because of the outbreak?
2: Well, it's been chase your tail, and figure out each day what's going to change and we've just like a lot of places have reacted as fast as we can Uh, but the restrictions and direction from the government and CDC World Health Organization it just changed so much that every day seemed like sometimes it was every half day we just had to figure out what the new normal was and this last week's been good uh, because once we got the shelter-in order, it seemed like everything didn't really change a whole lot. Everything just kind of was going to be takeout and drive-through, and um, and it made it a little easier. We had less to focus on, but at the same time, we had a lot of people that we had to displace, and that was a very hard thing. Uh, of the 42 people I had on the last payroll, I had to let 40 of them go, and wow. the hard part about that is you have to do it over the phone. You can't even do it in person because you can't pull those people together. So to have to tell all of your employees that have been working hard for your dream and it's their dream too. And a lot of them are, are so vested in what we're doing. And then you just have to send them home without, you know, their, with their last paycheck. And, uh, that, that was tough.
0: I can't imagine making those phone calls. That sounds awful. And I know that you're not alone. I mean, so many restaurant owners have had to do this. So what changed in the last week? You, were you able to hire some back because of this partnership with Operation Barbecue?
2: Yeah. And, you know, Stan Hayes had called me almost right after we had laid those people off. He had seen my post on Facebook and and they had had this idea to do this restaurant relief program. And I think it's something they had been kind of kicking around. And this this pandemic, it was a perfect opportunity because normally, and, and Stan will go into what they do, but normally they do these deployments where they go out to disasters and they set up and they have a command center and everyone kind of uh, comes together at one location. Here, this is a virtual deployment for them and they're utilizing existing kitchens and existing facility that was sitting here empty, this kitchen in Overland Park, which is where I'm at, it's only nine months old. It's state-of-the-art, and it's all brand new, so um, what a great way to put our facility and our resources to use to help the community, and we wouldn't be able to do this without Operation Barbecue Relief. They have been able to source product for us and uh, help us with logistics and recipes, and that's Justin behind me there. Hi, say hi, Justin. All right, sorry. I didn't so yeah if it wasn't for OBR um, we wouldn't be able to do this and and it's allowed us to bring six people back to work and um, you know I'm I'm looking at bringing a seventh one back and at some point you know maybe we can open up this location for some takeout and that would allow me to bring two or three more back so um, it's not it's not all 40 but the people that are here are so grateful to have a paycheck and so grateful to be working. And then they understand the mission too. There's this is more than just the paycheck uh, and they understand that and they get it and they're working so hard. I'm just so proud of the team here for um, just every day coming in and, and doing thousands of meals and getting their butt kicked and, and coming back for more the next day. It's, it's definitely more than a paycheck for them.
0: Yeah. Stan, uh, you know, when I first met you, we talked about how you got started on the ground in the aftermath of the awful Joplin tornado, natural disasters, forest fires, floods, hurricanes. A lot of times you're dealing in a situation where there isn't electricity, there isn't, you know, all the amenities that we um, take for granted in daily life. That's not the situation now, but in so many ways, it is similar to these natural disasters you visit. What has that been like Trying to implement what Operation Barbecue does here.
3: Yeah, you know, this is you know something that about a month ago, you know, we were we were operating in Nashville after a tornado, and you know put out over sixty thousand meals out, and we left Nashville, and literally by the end of that week, you know that normal had changed, um, and uh, as as we started looking at. You know, how do we have to do things differently in and, and an operation like we are in now? We have to figure out wh- what what does that look like? And, uh, you know, the Re- Restaurant Relief uh, um, Program, you know, sort of was born out of that. But it, it's really, yeah, you know, before we're creating our own infrastructure for, for a city. I mean, you know, setting up a mass feeding operation and, you know, bringing 100, 200 volunteers a day together. To, to put out mass amounts of food. Here is a lot different, right? Because we have to look at, you know, the social distancing. We have to look at the number of people congregating. You know, even at a business, we have to be very careful that, you know, we're doing everything. Um, and it's impossible for us to go and set up, you know, 10-man teams around the country and and do do what we do and do it effectively. So that's where we said, well, who better than, you know, to do something like this than somebody that has the facility, you know, cause not every restaurant can do this. I mean, not every restaurant has that cooking capacity, you know, um, and not every restaurant has, you know, enough room to be able to set up tables, to be able to put together a, you know, food production line, if you will, and, and put that together. And, you know, as we were brainstorming, all of this is when I saw, you know, Todd's post about uh, um, what was going on and thought, well, you know what, you know, this might be the right opportunity to try a pilot to see if what we think, you know, can be done and how it can be done really can be. And uh, we've learned a lot of valuable information in, in, in really less than a week.
0: I think for a lot of people here, we're used to talking about Operation Barbecue and talking about how you're Kansas City based. Um, but I don't, I don't think I even knew until we were talking about going down to Houston a couple years ago that you already have a nationwide network. Yes, you're based in Kansas City, but Operation Barbecue really is nationwide, right?
3: Yeah, we, you know, we have we probably have an email database of people that are interested in in you know keeping up with OBR, whether it's to volunteer, whether it's to know what's happening because they want to support us, you know, that's over 14,000, and I think at this point covers every state in the continental United States, Um, you know, and and actually Houston still probably leads um, over Kansas City now um, with the most, you know, if we were to put a heat map together, I think, you know, um, there's Probably hundred or two, two hundred more people in the greater Houston area, just because. of you know what started with Hurricane Harvey, but what's really driven it the last few years is the fact that, you know, um, we were invited to cook the Houston Livestock and Rodeo barbecue after uh, the year after Harvey, and went down there and did, you know, placed third our first year, then won it the second year, and then this year we, we were reserve grand. And we get to tell our story a lot and we get a lot of publicity by being there for what we did back in, in 2017. So, um, it's, it's something that when you look at the areas of the country, uh, we, we have those, you know, those hot areas where we have a lot of people and, you know, and that is, you know, ironically the, you know, three big barbecue areas of, you know, Houston. You know, Kansas City and Memphis are, are the top three areas, and then it starts going along the Gulf Coast, down into Florida, up the, the East Coast, and across, you know, back across sort of through Hurricane Alley, um, through Illinois and everything. We're light on the western part of the United States, but, you know, we've only really started doing wildfires the last couple of years and, you know when we first tried to go to a wildfire you know we were people looked at us and said hey, uh, you know what we understand what you're trying to do here but perception is you know of bringing fire to a fire you know smoke and oh. stuff we didn't like and and so it took a long time to overcome those objections to to show them what we do and how we do it um to be effective but again all of those take a lot of volunteers you know to be able to stand up you know a restaurant to put out the food that we're you know that todd's putting out now and doing it with you know 10 people or less yeah is 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 pretty remarkable um because you know he's able to implement a process he's able to do something and and a lot of people you know especially from the restaurant side uh, sometimes it gets tough for them because they're under, you know, they're thinking about when they have, you know, a whole menu to do. Well, where here it's, it's a step and repeat, if you will, um, of of what the, the food production is. So, you know, it, it's not every, re- again, it's not that every restaurant can do this and it's not that every, you know, that it's because of, it's more because of the restriction of, you know, cooking capacity at a restaurant not will of a restaurant because i have you know right now i'm 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 getting emails from across the country i'm getting you know facebook messages across the country wanting us to bring this to them but it comes with a cost you know this isn't this isn't a free thing we're we're helping we're helping the restaurant you know to open back up you know giving them money towards the use of the facility giving them money towards their employees you know, so we can feed those meals. So it's like a triple win and when Are you, you look at it. Closer to finding a
0: place that could be the next place. We,
3: well, we we have our next one. It's been funded. It'll open up probably by the weekend in wow. Bakersfield, California. Um, we have a uh, health system, Dignity Health System, out in in uh, um, Northern California. Um, their foundation is focused on the homeless and and the food insecure and we they've, uh, they've given us a, a grant to stand up and, and a uh, restaurant in Bakersfield that'll feed for the next two weeks um, and uh, you know we're using this time and what we you know what we've learned with Todd and, and helping them set up the processes and procedures so that you know come, come friday they're they're ready to to go and they they know you know what they need to do and and be, to be able to be you know successful you know the the the, the thing about a pilot is you don't always know and we like i said we've learned a lot uh this week um on what we didn't know and what we knew but we didn't pass over um you know essentially to to todd um, thinking that you know, some of the things, uh, uh, unfortunately, w- the way we work, you know, in mass feeding and what we do, sometimes we think it's fairly intuitive, or somebody should, oh, this this is fairly easy, but it's not. <laughs> and and so we've uh, um, we've we've been taking some time to make sure that we, you know, don't do the same thing and and don't rush into standing up an operation too soon. Mm-hmm.
1: Stan, can yeah. you talk about how you came to the 2,500 number, and that's what you're trying to do a day here in Kansas City? Will it be different in California?
3: Yeah. So, so right now it, it's economics. For me to move and to bring in and to purchase um, food and essential supplies needed to put out those meals, um, when you start working the numbers, um, the cost per meal – Even though it's a little bit, uh, it's it's probably over a dollar to a dollar twenty-five cents, dollar thirty cents more in this model than when we're in a disaster. Um, At at you know the break-even point was twenty-five hundred. You know a lot of large numbers. The more the more we do, the more we can scale. The the cheaper it can become. But when we're under twenty-five hundred meals. A day it you know it it becomes almost cost prohibitive where other organizations you know we could be taking money from somebody that that might be buying or might be doing something in the community Um, that's uh, that's essential Um, you know so I mean if we're spending five and a half dollars six dollars for a meal to go out through this program um, you know we could almost go buy the meals in bulk through a caterer or something and and not go through this process um so it's really one of economics as we ran numbers multiple different directions um to to make that happen now as this gets going hopefully we'll be able to maybe bring in smaller restaurants that couldn't do 2500 because you know that law of large numbers starts going up, and across the country, if we're if we stand up, you know, ten to fifteen of them, we may be able to have five to ten of them that are doing less.
1: But with COVID, it could go on for um, weeks. I don't know. Is that longer than usual deployment for, say, a natural disaster? And you know, will will these restaurants continue to serve? maybe more than the two weeks or are you just looking at two weeks at a time
3: so we're doing two weeks at a time um w- with the understanding that you know we may extend this because we don't know we we, do, I, you know in kansas city you know this pilot was set up you know early you know we knew we were you know that we would we could probably find the need um to do this but we we're probably still a week away from you know really starting to see people actively you know clamoring for you know needing food and and that what i mean by that is is that you have a lot of people that have filed for unemployment have received you know their last checks that are still you know buying stuff and everything but the squeeze is going to get tighter and tighter over the next you know weeks 10 days on a lot of those families you know and uh if if state funds, if they qualified don't come through or don't come through timely, they, you know, uh, the people could become, you know, fairly desperate for food. And we wanted to make sure that, you know, as we looked at this, that we were on the front edge of, of this here in Kansas City um, with this pilot. I could see this going, you know, longer um, in many different areas. Cause it, it's sort of in a wave right now, you know, um, we haven't hit the high point here. And I mean, they're saying that we're not going to hit that high point till the end of the month, you know, um, beginning, you know, maybe the first week, I've I've seen different things from the end of April to even close to mid May for the Kansas city, you know, you know, Missouri saying one thing, Kansas city saying we're a little bit ahead of that, but, you know, at the same time, Arizona just, just put in this last week a stay at home or, or, you know, you know, don't go out, you know, stay, uh, do the social distancing. They really started pushing that. They hadn't had that yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have more cases in, in, in Kansas than there are in Arizona total um, at least at that point. So I think you're going to see it in stages across the country, sort of in waves starting you know, New York, obviously, and LA, and and pushing towards the center. Um, so for us, we're you know we're taking this very slowly um, because we have to have the funding for it.
0: I was going to ask you about that because typically when you go to a disaster, it's um, one part of the country hurting while everyone else can contribute and help. And in this situation, it's everybody. Um, is that affecting your ability to? get donations and funds to help? Oh,
3: oh yeah. I, I think everybody, you know, ev- you know, everybody that I would say, not everybody, but I'd say a large number of people that uh, have been regular donors when there's a disaster and, and such, those $100 donors, those $500 donors, we're not seeing those right now. You know, uh, you know what we're seeing are the 5 and $10 donations. We're seeing the The people that probably, you know, probably don't have the money to give, um, giving a little bit, and uh, um, the ones that, uh, you know, normally give, sort of hold hold up right now, saying, you know, I'm watching the stock market, I'm watching this, I'm, you know, you know, the business isn't good, whatever it is, and they're on a, you know, they're not doing anything. So we're really looking towards corporations, foundations. you know, local government. We know that 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 there's there's money being you know put into to this through the local government and through or through the federal government. But you know, it's uh, we've never done that. You know, um, and we'll probably be you know uh, announcing uh, working with a state here um, later this week. But uh, um, we're we're trying to we're trying to figure all that out. But you know, we have states now that uh, we have a team of people that literally have just what they do is sit on conference calls, taking notes, on uh, and uh, you know answering questions of what our capability could be, you know, in a state, and uh, explaining the program, you know, that we have right here, as as the really the only viable option that we may have,
2: mm.
3: and uh, you know, so it's 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 really tough because how you pick and choose. I mean, it's like all these people that are coming in and saying, Hey, you know, bring this to my, you know, or I have a restaurant, bring it here. I'll do it. You know, I'm not going to be able to pick every one of them, you know? And unfortunately at, at some point in time, I know it's going to cause some hard feelings with somebody cause it's going to be a friend of mine or, you know, somebody that I, I can't, I can't help. Um, and, and that's going to be, it's going to be tough. But, you know, I'm in this to help the people in need, you know, and make sure that meals are fed and do it, you know, um, while not, uh, you know, putting the organization at risk. Yeah, because, we you know, another, we have,
0: I'm sorry, Stan, I was just going to ask, we have another minute or two here, but I wanted to make sure we talked about who's getting these meals. How do you pick?
3: Yeah, so so that's a great question. Okay. In fact, I, it's one of the best questions I think lately that I've been answering, and that is, is we're not picking, you know. Um, you know, we're putting it out there for the people, um, saying if you're, if you need a meal, you know, if you, you know. Um, obviously, we've you've seen a lot going to uh, hospitals. A lot going, you know, to first responders. There's been posts out there. Todd's been personally delivering stuff to, to different hospitals and such because those are, right now, those are the heroes in, in, in the world that we, we live in. Um, but, you know, there, the other is the, those, those people at home, those, those restaurant workers, those, you know, people in, in um, different parts of the economy that have been laid off that were paycheck to paycheck or, you know, it, it it was them and their spouse and they both were laid off and they were doing pretty good, but now they're you know, they're they're suffering because there's no paychecks. Um and and so we're not judging who who gets the meal. Um, you know, when we were in Joplin we had this happen where, you know, people came up and were gonna buy food at the restaurant next door to where we were set up. And when the re- they found out the restaurant was closed, they got into our food line. And I watched it all happen, and I had some upset people. They were going to go kick them out of line. They were going to go make them leave. And, you know, the, the thought was, you know, we don't know what's going on. You know, maybe they thought, they, you know, hey, you know what, we've been working on our houses. We've been cleaning up what was le- what's left of our life, uh, you know, from our yard. Let's go get something to eat. And we got a little bit of money here, so we'll go to this place. You know, and when it was closed, they were downtrodden and were like, hey, "Well, we could get a meal here," and they might have been getting a meal from us for a week. We don't know, but again, I'll feed a, I'll feed nine of those people just to get to that tenth person that we know needed the meal. And uh, it's just you know, it's about karma, and my is you know the big part of my belief that you know if there are somebody that didn't really need that meal and they came there anyway. You know, karma is going to get them in the end, but, you know, the meals are really meant for, for the families that are already food insecure, you know, those families that um, before this happened, you know, were, were making decisions on whether they paid something or f- put food on the table. You know, the seniors that right now uh, you know, are scared to even leave their homes, and if they do, they're going to do, you know, just to get something essential. That's who these meals are meant for. You know, we want to take care of restaurant workers because even though we're, you know, we're not a restaurant, we're in the food industry. I mean, we provide food. So we want to take care of those people that have been laid off because many of them probably won't even qualify for, you know, unemployment because they're more of a seasonal worker, you know, only working, you know, short shifts, not working enough hours to to even – be able to, to hit the threshold needed. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I just, yeah. It's one of those things that I think today it's really hard to determine, you know, when we say who, who, who needs it, I think it's really hard to determine that if somebody pulls up in that parking lot today and asks for a meal and they're driving a convertible and everything else, you know, uh, we don't know what the situation is. That could be a doctor that's been at the hospital for for, you know, thirty six, forty eight hours straight, gets uh gets twelve hours off, has no food at home, no one else at home right now, and uh, just wants to go sleep, but's a little hungry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's um. it's
1: so I'm curious, Todd. Can you tell uh, tell us a little bit about the learning curve for you? It seems to me barbecue is one of those things you can do in mass fairly easily, but 2,500 meals is an awful lot. <laughs> how have you been? What's the learning curve in sort of trying to learn how to mm. change your menu? This is not your menu. You're doing obviously.
2: well. The the cooking. Uh, the cooking is the easiest part, as Stan said. We have got a lot of capacity. It's a state of art, state of the art kitchen. It's all brand new within nine months. And when it comes to our smokers, we've got three thousand pounds of capacity, and that's way more than we need for this. Um, and the 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 learning curve is that although I, I think Stan said this maybe in a different, in the reverse way where you know, they assume that what they do is pretty, um, is pretty straightforward and pretty intuitive. But what I've learned in this last week is it's not as easy as it looks. And you, on the surface, it's let's make meals for people and let's, let's put them in containers and hand them out. That sounds pretty simple, but the logistics and the the behind the scenes and reaching out to all of these organizations and interfacing with all of these individuals, um, I can tell you that there's a lot, I'm just so shocked at how many small organizations there are out there feeding Kansas City at all kinds of different levels, um, from families, um, from homeless, just all across the board and there's so many people that are reaching out to us that had a job they were doing fine and now they're not and so the uh that's the part um is figuring out where all these meals need to go making those connections getting those orders in um it's a it's a logistical uh, 800 pound gorilla and mm-hmm. i was you know i went into this thinking oh, we just got to make a bunch of meals and hand them out. We've got this big, huge kitchen and this big, huge dining room. 2,500, that's nothing. But I was humbled pretty quickly. And I have so much respect for OBR having now been in their shoes just a little bit. And I mean just a little bit. Um, This is nothing compared to what they'll do on on a big disaster. This is nothing compared to what they've done for almost 10 years and it's, it humbled me, and uh, the, the saving grace, though, is that they've provided so much support, and we've got plenty of food, we've got plenty of support to know how to prepare things that we don't typically see, uh, we've got plenty of support, I mean, in reaching out to the community, we've got so much support, just an encouragement, every day, all day long, I'm getting, you guys are doing a great job, you're doing a great job, and you know, there are cheerleaders too. Um, we've had to change, sometimes it was a couple times during the day, just how we did things, trying to figure out what's the most efficient way for what we have to get these meals turned out. And that's all been part of the learning curve. And um, as Stan said, they've learned a lot in this week through the experience with us but we've learned a lot in this as well and um it being a pilot you have to expect that you have to expect that there's a lot of things there's a lot of lessons that are going to be learned and uh, together we're doing that and uh, again i have just so much respect for operation barbecue relief I, i did before but it's it's a totally different perspective now having uh lived a a small virtual deployment like this, um, the the infrastructure and the the wide range of things that they have to think about beyond just put meat in a container and hand it to somebody, it's uh it's quite impressive and and my hats off to them.
1: I think we feel really lucky that they have um have infrastructure already um, because this would be a really hard thing to create from scratch um stan what is it that you guys need at this point in terms of donations or in terms of manpower
3: yeah you know the manpower side is really i think i think working with todd we're getting that part you know figured out here locally for him the delivery system is, is is the toughest part because we you know um you, you don't have that many volunteers or that many organizations i should say that are running out there to do this right now um especially with shelter in place stay at home um, but food is is a an essential and and you know we're we're an essential organization and, and so is todd but i think that you know from from the donation side you know knowing that a meal uh, that's going out is approximately $4 and 26 cents. And I guess that's not approximate. It is $4 and 26 cents doing the math for everything. Um, And at 2,500 meals a day, um, it adds up quickly. So, uh, you know, we're, we're looking for, you know, not just individuals that wanna, you know, wanna buy, you know, I mean, we've had people go, Hey, you know, here's, you know, here's $50 to go towards, you know, uh, 10, 11 meals. That's that's fantastic. And we need every one of those because the organization's been built on those. But what we need is, you know, the foundations. I mean, we've we've applied for the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation grant, uh, the COVID-19 um, fund that's been set up here in Greater Kansas City, to hopefully get funded so we can, you know, keep the restaurant going, keep, you know, and, and if needed, open up an additional in the area. Um, we're applying for things like that around the country we've applied for more grants in the last two weeks than we have in the last you know nine years of our organization you know uh, it, it's history probably so we're looking for those you know other those foundations though are probably the ones that are the biggest because we find uh, we're finding that most companies are aligning with these community foundations to build these pools for this money but there's companies out there that we know that will We'll look at it and other organizations as well so we're we're out there actively working that you know somebody were to you know listen to the podcast and go hey you know what my company could do something like this to help you know reaching out to OBR uh, and and starting that conversation would be fantastic um, yeah. their
1: contact, what, what would the contact be on that Stan
3: um, you know, the best contact to put out is info at org. So if they email info at OBR.org um, or go to our website, there's an 800 number on there and they can they can call them, you know, go through go through the call tree and leave us a message and somebody will get back in touch with them that's the best way because if I'm out if I'm doing stuff and they try to get a hold of me it could be hours before I'm able to get back in touch with them but this way it comes into you know um, we have a virtual volunteer team manning that and so each one of those emails is reviewed and then sent out to a you know a group of people so that would probably go you know it would come in and go to me Probably uh, Jared Collins, our our chief uh, programs officer, who's really working on, you know, the programmatic piece of of how this this restaurant program is working and how we're trying to scale this to be able to do it across the country.
1: Okay, that sounds great, um, and I want to thank both of you for coming on this morning. This has just been really. Um, a lot of information and um, you're doing a great job out there um, so thank you for sharing what you're doing and good luck in continuing thank on you. and spreading it across the country because I think we do know the need will become um, more severe down the road so thank you for putting putting together a starting point
2: you bet Jill
1: all right now we want to bring in Chef Pam
0: Liberta of Waldo Thai and also Little Asia KC. And I think this is, I mean, the success you guys had with your first pop-up last night, Pam. How quickly did you sell out here? I was the
4: 15 minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 15 minutes. Okay. Sorry, I've got ahead of myself. Let me back up. What is Little Asia KC?
4: Well, the Little Asia K Z is um, it's a pop up for the all Asian community. It's not just for Asian community, but as all Asian chefs that get together and do something fun in this this kind of time, and you know, try kind to of help each other out. And, and this uh, was, we, uh, yeah.
0: I was gonna say this was um, out of Waldo Tai's Kitchen, Sunday night. But
4: this time is yes. We did it uh, from our kitchen yesterday. And that was our first pop-up.
1: It's a great idea, Pam. Um, and I saw some lovely food. Tell us a little bit about what you made. Well, uh, on
4: my side, uh, I, I have this a little concept. It's called uh, Thai hot barbecue. So a lot of people think it's Thai hot. It was the spicy level of the Thai hot level but it actually is the name that uh, been with us in 2012. It's when we throw the, the Independence, uh, Independence Day party, and we call that Thai hot barbecue party because uh, we actually grill a lot of meat in the park and do all the side dishes, all Thai side dish dishes. So this time I did that concept, so it can be something new and uh, different from the other.
1: So are you rehearsing for a new restaurant when you get off <laughs> of COVID? Well, well you, you don't know. Well,
4: we <laughs> try to get, you know, every crisis to become the opportunity.
1: That's a really positive way to look at things, for sure. Well,
4: we have, we have to lift our spirits up, you know, you cannot keep doing the same thing. It, it's still exhausted. So every day, you know, Tuesday um, to, to Saturday, that we go to a restaurant and try to make it happen every day. That 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 is a lot already. So something new and exciting make us keep going in life. Hmm.
0: How many uh, chefs were a part of Little Asia KC? Uh,
4: this time we have four plus Daryl as a bartender and mix- mixologist. So uh, it have me um, represents the Thai what I call it Thai barbecue and James Chang. It's LGM, so he do the Taiwanese food. Christy Newcomb from KCPN do uh, do the Filipino food, and also the Kiang is do the uh, the Korean food. So that's four of us plus zero.
1: So how do people order? Do they order from one chef, or do they order a combo meal, or do they order?
4: Yes, actually. Everybody can order it from Shawna website, so the the go website. So we have all our 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 menu on the same roof. So it we have it's under Little Asia website. So we will change that. You know, every single time we might have to change some of the menu. So what about, you know what next we come up? So you can order, like, one item for me, one item from the other, or two items from the other, or stuff like that. But we will all pack them together in one bag for your
1: order. That's kind of mix and match. You can kind of travel around Asia by tasting. Yes. Okay. And
4: that was exactly, you know, our concept is. So a variety of the Asian food in one group.
0: Was this an idea before the COVID-19 crisis hit or was this born because of it?
4: Yes, actually the ki uh, Kiang is uh, kind of mentioned that to me before this thing happened but it was we were so busy so we don't know how we're gonna figure the thing out until uh, this thing happened so we we believe that we we have to push this thing out so it's just I believe it's less than two weeks that we're saying that we have to make it happen. Wow! You know, to be able to help each other, and uh, Christy already, you know, temporarily closed her KC Pinoy, and, uh, and and uh, and Kian just just closed his in just this this Saturday. So it's a perfect time for all of us for all of us to get together and do this thing.
0: That brings up such a good point. We know a lot of restaurants have had to make that tough decision to to close for the time being. Like you mentioned, Chrissy closed Casey Pinoy during this. What has it been like at Waldo Thai? You guys have kept the doors open so far. Uh, has it has the community been ordering a lot? Has it been difficult even with orders to keep things keep everyone on staff?
4: Well, we try to keep everybody um, on staff still, but the the hour will be cut. Um, a little bit, but it's not. You know, you won't get the same hour. The full-time people will get don't get the whole hour that they used to get. But we make it enough to to pay everybody and pay our vendor. And I was saying, you know, just you know, try to survive in this time.
1: As a new restaurant, I'm sure you were not expecting anything like this to come along, but um, before this, what trials did you have in the past year? And how did I'm sure they don't even compare to what you're going through now. Um, Can you share what some of the startup uh, difficulties were? I mean, we think of new restaurants as starting up and there are always a lot of things to think about. I think it would be especially hard to then transition to what's going on now
4: um i would say you know a lot of restaurants that is plenty or open this time of the year i i feel really really bad for them because they have to change the way that you know whatever they already have planned but for us uh we already have some of the to-go order or the carry out in the restaurant but it's not much so we, uh, so when, when this happened, we, we already, you know, we always sit down before we're going to get the whole thing you know, the stay home thing. And when it really happened, we will sit down together and share the way I would say the way we do our business. So I even sharing how I, the, the, the item menu, the I mean the menu item to, to fit, like it's carry well. Like when we cook from our restaurant, when you you open the box in your house, it still look like it's still the same food, the same quality of food that you get from the restaurant. And I, I think you know a lot of restaurants, the menu item it doesn't have that character. So
0: yeah, that's it's, hard to it's think very something. hard
4: for. Yeah, it's very hard for them, you know, if you have a certain concept like a fire dining and it was hard for for them to adjust in this kind of time because, you know, you sell a good quality, a bite or two food and, and beautiful food, you know, and you cannot put that in the box and you, you're expecting the same
0: quality. And then it takes 15 minutes best to get to their house and when they're ready to they yeah. get to, yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah, so some of our menu items have to be changed, you know, to be the way that it's easier and it's, it's still a value and it's a good good price. And people still, you know, it's not like everybody, you know, struggling right now. So we try to help, you know, I even come up with the menu of the family meal stuff to, to make sure that the customer be able to afford our food and to enjoy, you know, the time and can come back and repeat and helping us go through this time.
0: Have you noticed any kind of um, boost from these national movements like Takeout Tuesday, Great American Takeout? Save restaurants.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, I, I saw um, some of those, but no. I didn't really got the boost bus on that, but I will try to just, just, you know, be ourselves and try to put ourselves out there. We're still here. Please come supporting us. So basically that's what we do almost every day here yes. until we go through this time.
0: I know while we're recording right now, it's just the day after your very first Little Asia KC pop-up. Do you know um, time frame or place or rotating Chefs or same chefs, any details you can share with us on the possible next pop-up?
4: Well, we're still talking about that. Uh, we have to uh, follow up with, with the website. We do not design for for our next one yet. We kind of have the date in mind, but we never really set it exactly date yet. So, so we're the- going to have to listen, I mean, the follow up on the, the little issues. Com.
0: So, for all the uh, people who ordered twenty minutes after you started, they can expect a pop-up number two.
4: It, it will be pop-up number two. It will be
0: <laughs> one hundred orders be- in five minutes. Did I read that right? Well, actually, it's, it's, I
4: think it's more than that because you know the way the way it's coming in five minutes. It was so unbelievable all overwhelming for me because it was it was crazy it was very crazy last night
0: (laughs) is there any part of you because i've seen a lot of people asking online that um sees a potential for this to be a permanent place or or routine pop up even when uh our lives return to normal a little bit
4: it's possible it's possible and uh and, but I, we don't know yet where you know it will be uh but we will try our best um to to get together and get more people involved you know it's a different ship so we can have the more variety for our customers
1: Pam, is there anything with logistics that I mean, I, I'm sure there are. Tell us some of the logistics behind the scenes of of trying to bring in, it's always hard to bring in four chefs and have them cook together. But if you're also having to social distance and you know work in a COVID um ready kitchen, what what does that look like? What are the logistical challenges? Yes, it was a four of us. So
4: we do, I have the prep room and oh yeah in the live, so we have two chefs in the live. so me myself is in the prep room and we have all our you know temporary warmer and everything is ready to go in the back and so it will be you know two people in one room and the other two in the other room to be able to to work together because we know that there's no way we can be in the same live with four of us mm. so that's that's how we did it last night
1: and did you have other so people helping like a sous chef or line cooks, or is it just each chef? Yes, during-
4: I have um I have Mr. Kevin Foster, my sous chef, that's come help me. And uh and Daryl and James uh did they, they did a very good job, you know, with the packing and do the stuff. And also uh Keon have um his staff to come help deliver the food to the to the car. Yeah and also Daniel Lehman from Open Billy. She come to help us too.
0: Yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking about all of you guys, all of our folks working in restaurants, from grocery stores, these jobs where you're crucial to keep everyone fed, and you have to interact with people a lot. Are you coming to a point, are are you, do you have any fear keeping yourself safe, keeping your workers safe? Even because you have to interact with people so often, your customers?
4: Well, uh, we actually remind a lot of people to wash our hands very, very often. It's more than what we usually do. We wash our hands a lot already, but, but this time we just do it more, wearing gloves. And sometimes we wear uh, our mask and be really like, you know, very next to each other. And it's less than six feet apart. And sometimes you just, we just try our best to, like, make sure that we're not afraid, you know, kind of thing. And we also just
0: clean ourselves, you know,
4: wash our hands as much as we can.
0: Also, Pam, um, looking back two or three weeks ago, we had heard from several um, businesses owned by uh, Asian entrepreneurs who are experiencing a drop in business. Um, and they thought it was because they were Asian. What does it feel like to you to know that a pop-up, Little Asia KC, sold out so quickly, just a few weeks after that?
4: I will say that the way we sold out quickly, it can be because of, first of all, it's our food. And we also, every chef have a very good follower. So it's have a, a true love out there to like, well, we love you, we will support you. so it's it's a great, great community and great supporting this time around. you mean it, it it's hard time for everybody, and they you come up to support us that is a very, very generous of them, and we are very thankful
1: for every support that we got. Pam I'm wondering what's your what's your best selling dish from last night.
4: You know I sell a lot but on my part my best selling part is the um fried roasted chicken wings and also my uh smoked barbecue ribs. And uh, you know the pool park is the smoked pool pork is something that we we sell to, but it's not as much as those two items. Those two items is fry out like crazy <laughs> and also the side dish we do this roasted garlic rice and it's, it's very very good it, you love you love the garlic and i also do um the the baked bean it's kind of barbecue bean but with the smoked pork belly that i did it ourselves and uh, another thing is uh, the coleslaw is basically it's thai side coleslaw i call that with a little spicy into it and uh, on James' side i think we sell just a lot of the uh, pork belly for the taiwanese um, taiwanese food but i did not um, know about the other two chef because we are in separate rooms so
1: that was only only two things that i know is go fry out super quickly yeah Sounds like you have a new concept there that's going to really please barbecue lovers all across the city. Absolutely. And
4: that was the part of, you know, I love to run that. It was the summer coming soon. I mean, about time we get out with all this, it's going to be time for grilling, staying outside, and enjoy the time of the barbecue together. So I think it's, it's something to bring joy to our life. the thing to look forward to in the future, in the near future, I will say it. <laughs> So I will try to keep doing what I'm doing.
0: Thank well, you so much. Like it's a
4: winner. Thank you. Yes.
0: Thank you for calling in. Thank we you know, very much. Busy, busy.
4: Thank you.